0: So I am on our school's mock trial team. And so in In January of this year, we had a tournament um, in downtown Chicago. You know, we went through the whole trial. You know, usually you shake hands with everyone and you congratulate the other person or the other team on on a good round. I went up to shake one of the other person's hands. He was just like, yeah, you know, I just don't want to get coronavirus.
1: When my dad goes out shopping, we used to debate like whether or not he should wear a mask because if he wore a mask, someone might be like, you're Chinese and you're sick and I'm gonna
2: hurt you. We were walking along the rock and then I passed this big flat rock that originally had a Chinese character on it and then written across the top was in red, spray paint, Chinese virus, underlined three times. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. It was a matter of when the camera or the lens would get turned on Asian Americans and when we would be painted as like the harbingers of virus.
1: This is very much an Asian American issue.
3: From the Daily Northwestern, this is Alex Chun. Welcome to Defining Safe, a podcast about the experiences of marginalized communities on campus. Except... Right now, most Northwestern students aren't on campus. Amid COVID-19, learning has become remote, but the impacts of the coronavirus spread beyond Zoom lectures. On March 19th, 2020, the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council launched Stop AAPI Hate, a reporting center for Asian-identifying individuals report coronavirus discrimination and hate crimes. In just the two weeks since its launch, the center received over 1,100 reports, and reports continue to rise. But Medill Jr. Michael Zhao first experienced racial profiling in January at a mock trial tournament. After the round, when the members of each team were supposed to shake hands, a member of the opposing team refused to shake Michael's hand, saying that he didn't want to catch coronavirus.
0: So I didn't really have the time like, to think of it anything. But as soon as he said, I looked up a little bit and kind of was still affected. And I kind of shared a look with one of my teammates. He like opened his eyes really wide at me and gave me this look as like, what the heck is doing? And this person on the other team went up to the other persons on my team and gave them handshakes. And so, like, it took me a while to process this, but it was kind of, like, laughable at the time. But when you actually think about, like, what this person did and the different way that he treated me, as opposed to the other people on my team, where I'm the only, you know, Asian-American person on my team, everyone else is either white or African-American. It was a pretty clear-cut case of a racist incident.
3: And Michael isn't alone in his experience. For one week during March, AAPI reported over 100 incidents every day. And even when some student activists focus on the work they're doing, increased reports of hate can act like a fog, difficult to see through and hanging heavily over everything else. Weinberg sophomore Isabel Liu describes seeing anti-Asian reports increase despite activists' effort.
2: So I do follow... A lot of activists on social media, and I try to be as active as I can. The people that I admire so much and follow and support try so hard and do so much, and yet this still happens. And I don't think this is inevitable. I don't think racism or discrimination is inevitable but for that split second a part of me felt like it was futile it was just a split second you know i try not to go there because i don't believe it like that's not one of my core beliefs but it was a split second where i just felt like everything that we've been pushing for like maybe we aren't capable of beating racism
3: and although we switched to mostly online interactions discrimination is still prevalent on social media Students have reported seeing racist memes about Asians and the coronavirus posted in online Northwestern spaces, including Northwestern's unofficial meme Facebook group. Even a member of NU's Associated Student Government Senate made a racist post in the Senate's private communication channel.
1: Even if they aren't like ill-intentioned, it was still like, damn, people are dying from this disease and you still have to make a joke about it.
3: Abby Zhu, a Weinberg sophomore, is active in APAC, the Asian Pacific American Coalition. APAC provides a space for Asian and Pacific American identifying students to engage in dialogue surrounding identity, social justice, and community organizing. Before learning was made remote, APAC held a discussion about the rise of anti-Asian racism and its impacts on Northwestern students.
1: We had a conversation then about how people were making light of like a very deadly disease and also a lot of our members identify as Chinese American and like we have family who are literally impacted by the disease. One side of my family is from Wuhan, which is where the virus started. And my grandparents, who are like 90 years old, live there. And so to see jokes about that when I know that they've been stuck inside their homes for so long and they're so old, and I was just like praying constantly that they wouldn't get sick, but people like still managed to like make a joke about it was like very, it was really disheartening.
3: After seeing the rise in anti-Asian racism reports and people's reactions, Isabel describes a sense of foreboding.
2: Honestly, my first thought was... I knew it. I mean, obviously there was outrage, there was anger, there was sadness. I think when this first broke out, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that it was going to get painted as, quote, the Chinese virus, unquote. And then my second thought was, but really, again? This is not new. Tying Asians to virus is actually part of Asian American
3: history. Stereotypes about Asian Americans as dirty have been perpetuated throughout history. At the beginning of the 20th century, San Francisco had a huge plague outbreak carried by rats. At the time, plague epidemiology was not widely understood, and plagues were considered a, quote, disease of place. Soon enough, public health professionals quickly pointed to San Francisco's Chinatown as a cesspool of disease, propagating the belief that the disease came from Chinese people. Chinese immigrants were given invasive health inspections, and the anti-Chinese sentiment quickly spread across the United States. And in one incident, a controlled fire meant to cleanse, burned down Honolulu's Chinatown.
1: I think specific members of American leadership actively perpetuate harm like President Trump and others who are high up who refuse to retract their statements about calling it the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus or like Kung flu or whatever and people I think will dismiss that they call it that or think that it doesn't have ramifications when in reality like that directly attributes it to China and justifies attacks on people who look
3: Chinese. Last month, in a coronavirus briefing, photographers captured President Trump's speaking notes. The picture showed that the word corona was crossed out, replacing it with the word Chinese.
1: Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? A lot of people say it's racist.
0: It's not
3: racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. Previous presidential candidate Andrew Yang wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post, offering advice for how he believes Asian Americans should act during this time. Yang wrote, quote, We Asian Americans need to embrace and show our Americanness in ways we never have before. We need to step up, help our neighbors, donate gear, vote, wear red, white, and blue volunteer, fund aid organizations, and do everything in our power to accelerate the end of this crisis. We should show without a shadow of a doubt that we are Americans who will do our part for our country in this time of need. Demonstrate that we are part of the solution. We are not the virus, but we can be part of the cure, end quote.
1: It's embarrassing. It was so embarrassing to read, not only because of the examples he used, but also like, why do you have to prove your humanity in whatever way? Like for him, it's like being ultra American. And for him, American means being white. Like, why do you have to continuously prove that you are worthy of being seen as a human being to people who do not want to see you as a human being?
3: In his op ed, Yang cited historical incidents, such as Japanese Americans serving in the military during World War II, as an example of Asian Americans demonstrating their quote, Americanness.
2: The fact that he brings up Japanese-American service in the military during World War II as, like, reference to ways we could be, like, more American right now is actually hilarious. And by hilarious, I mean, like, not funny at all. There was this thing called the loyalty questionnaire that Japanese-Americans were given. A lot of people getting this questionnaire were already incarcerated Japanese-Americans, and they got two questions, okay? One was basically compulsory, like, will you serve in the U.S. military? And then number two is, will you revoke your loyalty to the Japanese emperor? If you're a Japanese-American citizen who has been born in the U.S., and you get asked this question— How would you feel? It was not us showcasing our Americanness. It was us being forced to sacrifice our lives for a country that did not even see us as citizens.
3: So what now? How can we best support one another during this time of such uncertainty and panic?
1: I think what is most important right now is for people with a lot of wealth and resources to donate to mutual aid funds, If you have extra time to make phone calls either to your congress people or like to make phone calls to like jails and ask them to release more people. I think words are important too, but your words also have to be transformed into some form of action. And I also know that there is a community organization right now called NACASEC. They're organizing a campaign to call Congress people to have a forced stimulus bill that allows undocumented immigrants to receive cash assistance and also qualify for Medicaid or other federally subsidized health care. because right now they're not getting
2: the
3: $1,200 checks. For Northwestern to serve as a safe space, some students feel it is crucial for the Northwestern community to support one another.
2: One of my favorite professors back at UCSB, what she said was, in order to help people that are not as privileged as you are, you first shut up (laughs) and you give them the stage. You say, okay... I don't understand. Like, help me understand how I can help you. Obviously, privilege is like a bad word or whatever to some people. But I also think of it as like a resource, right? Just like how like water is a resource or like money is a resource. You can use that to give voice to other people.
0: College campuses in general or, you know, Northwestern in particular should and, you know, usually have been safe spaces for everyone, including minorities and Asian Americans. Being a safe space, there was a responsibility on the administrators, the people at Northwestern in general, the Northwestern population, to kind of minimize and confront any incident like this. Anytime something like this happens, it's everyone's responsibility to call this person's racism or bigotry out. If you're a bystander in this situation, then I think you have a responsibility to call this person out and to tell them that they're not okay and that they're being racist and that that stuff is not tolerated.
3: From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Alex Chun. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Defining Safe. This episode was reported and produced by me, Alex John. The audio editor of The Daily Northwestern is Molly Lovers. The digital managing editors are Kala Luciano and Hina Srivastava. And the editor-in-chief is Marissa Martinez.